am glad and rejoice with you all. And then he turns it around and says, likewise, be glad and rejoice with me. Like, uh, yes, we're, we were almost sick to the point of death. Yes, I'm in chains, but I'm glad and I'm rejoicing. You be glad and you rejoice with me. Like this is this unity that we're going to build. We're not going to build the unity of negativity and woe is me and my situation's not, you know, what I want it to be. He's like, no, we're going to rejoice because God is sovereign and he is working in this purpose. And we can still communicate. Um, and he says here in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. That's one of the reasons. He's like, you can read this really quick. I kind of read over it the first time. I was like, man, this is just like a to-do list of like, Paul's just saying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send these guys. Like, you know, it's all business. But really, it's so much more than that. So that you too may be cheered for news of you. So in verse 20, he says, for, when you see the word for in the Bible, a good word to substitute in your mind most of the time is because. All right, so the, the reason he's making the argument, I'm, I'm, I really want, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for because, why? I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. That is um, a characteristic of someone who who really is putting their whole heart into the service of the Lord. And I don't mean ministry like going to events and things like in their daily life, in their daily life and in their interactions with Christians and non-Christians at work and at home with their families, without with their friends, at the beach, okay? I'm genuinely concerned for your welfare. Um, and he's saying these other people, they seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And then he kind of reverses the argument, right? That's like, here's what I want to do. I want to send Timothy because here's the reasons why he's, he's, he should be sent. Now it's like, here's the reasons why, because, and this is what, who I'm going to send you. So he kind of flips it on his head and, and says it another way. Verse 22, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I highlighted that because that's like, it, look, at the, look at the relational language he's using here again and the relational language that God uses to us as a father like I love that song by Chris Tomlin he's a good good father like you know he's not a good good boss you know what I mean not that we don't obey him but you know it's he's a good good father all right that's how God wants to relate to us and uh, and us to other people too he's saying hey look just as a son would re- would relate to his father in serving him a son, like, in submission and in love and in, like, I don't know if you remember being, um, if, if you're a son, if you're, if you're a man or, or if you're a woman, you're a daughter. If you just remember when you were a kid, think back to some of the giddiness that you would get in wanting to please um, one of your parents and just do something for them or they asked you to do. You just, you had this, like, giddiness to do it and to get praise from them, to get the reward of just, not like, you know, the candy they maybe promised you or something. Like, you really just wanted their affection and their love. And... And I think that's a, a really, a childlike faith and a childlike heart towards God and a heart that he wants us to have towards him and doing things for him, not out of duty, but out of a childlike love for him and wanting to just receive more of him. So that's the, the example Paul uses, son, father. He served with me in the gospel for the sake of the gospel, right? Always for the sake of the good news, always for the sake of Jesus and people coming to know him. So it's like, and then I just kind of wanted to ask, like, hey, do we see relationships like that within our church? Remember, they're not father and son, like relatives. They're not blood relatives. Timothy was Paul's disciple. 
Paul mentored Timothy, not as necessarily a teacher to a student so much, like that was definitely a dynamic of the relationship, but the way when he describes his love for Timothy and his love for Titus and these men that he poured his life into is like a father loving a son, and he calls them his children. Timothy, my child. Titus, my child. You know? He's like, not my, Timothy, my protege. You know? So there's, there's just a different dynamic there that I think is important to point out. And so I want to be mindful and conscious of that as a family of God here, of how are we, how are we building our relationships with other people in, in the room throughout the week? Not Sunday, just sun, not just Sunday, but throughout the week when we're having people over for dinner, or we're going to a show with them, whatever it is. Um, or you're having Bible study on Wednesday mornings or Friday mornings or whatever it is, right? When you get together with other believers in your gathering, your family of God, or your church, whatever you want to call it, is that the motivation of our heart to, to build the relationship in a, in a father-son, mother-daughter type relationship with people? So, Verse 23, Paul lays out his, his plans, why Timothy and Epaphroditus. He says, I hope, therefore, um, to send him just as soon as I see how it's going to go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I will come also soon. I thought it would be necessary to send Epaphroditus too. He's my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier in the gospel. He's been your messenger to me to minister to my needs in the absence, like when the separation from the Philippians and Paul, he's in prison, they've had emissaries and people bringing, bringing Paul financial gifts to continue the ministry, food, um, all kinds of different uh, just things that he had that he needed. They were lovingly sending people and things to him to support him and the ministry. And um, he says, four, there's that four again, verse 26, because... He's been longing for you all and has been distressed and because you heard that he was ill, that he was really ill, um, almost to death. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow. He's like, if I didn't have Ephroditus here, if you didn't send him to me, if I didn't have Timothy here helping me and the gifts that you had sent me in this relationship with you that we have and this father-son relationship and this ministering, I'm ministering to you, you're ministering to me, like, you know, like, I would have sorrow upon sorrow instead of joy upon joy. So, let's uh, try to get the bigger picture of the letter here, too. Um, flipping back over to Philippians 1, 27 and 28. It says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Right? This is connecting with who Timothy is, right? This is who Timothy is, who, uh, who Paul is, why he does ministry, why does he serve the Lord, why does Timothy serve the Lord, why does Epaphroditus serve the Lord, why are they doing what they're doing? And um, he said, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. And he describes it here in these verses in two different ways. So he says, so that whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I never make it, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, underline that, with one mind, underline that, striving side by side, I underline that, right? Oh, what's the word for that? Unity. Unity. One spirit, one mind, side by side, 
That's what I want to hear. Standing firm in the faith that you guys have unity as a family, the church in Philippi. Unity for the faith of the gospel, right? Not unity for the sake of unity, just to get together and because it's comfy and fun and for the sake of the gospel so that we would build each other up and be all on mission. Like imagine if it's just one Christian trying to reach the world outside these walls for, for Christ versus there's, I don't know, that we see like 125 in here with some missing seats. So there's about 100 people in here. Imagine if all of us are unified for the sake of advancing the gospel for people outside the walls uh, coming to know Jesus. All right, and not frightened. And he throws in that fearlessness. The two ways he's demonstrating this, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel and describing it, unity and fearlessness in the gospel. So fearless unity, in short, in the gospel in who Jesus is, in the message that he proclaimed, in the message he's given us to share with others, is a life worthy of the gospel. So, church, uh, shouldn't use that word. Family, people, right? Friends, t- we, this is where we examine ourselves. We always have to do that. We always have to come back and check ourselves, examine ourselves, because in our human nature, we tend to stray. We tend to slow down. We tend to shift. We tend to get the wrong mindsets and paradigms and distractions. All kinds of things happen. We're human. We're imperfect. Thanks for the grace of God that he is more powerful than that and that we have new mercies every morning to come back and get that, get our life back on the right track with God, get our relationship back rightly oriented around Christ and his mission. So fearless unity in the gospel is what Paul calls a life worthy of the gospel. So if you want to live a life worthy of the gospel, and I know you do, and I do, and I really want to strive towards that, like it says, um, we should be seeking Fearless unity in the gospel. Now, underneath that unity is uh, a, kind of, uh, a kind of heart and the kind of life that, that would flow out of that. Because unity is sort of like a, it's a very ambiguous term. Everyone's like, oh yeah, unity. It just means like everyone gets along. But it's unity for a purpose. That's to advance the gospel, to get the news of Jesus out to people who don't know him. And to serve the people who do know him and take care of each other. Um, Philippians 2, we're moving a little bit back towards the, the passage. Verses 3 and 4 in Philippians 2. Paul's saying, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That's Timothy, right? That's Timothy. He said, genuinely, I want to send Timothy because he is genuinely concerned for your welfare, not his own interest, but yours, right? You have humility and count others more significant than yourselves. He's connecting all these dots here. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I like how it, it gives you a little caveat here. Like, you don't have to feel bad for looking out for your own interests. It would be irresponsible to not do so completely, right? He says, let each of you not look only to your own interests. So he you have to build that into your life, of course, but also to the interests of others. And when you're thinking about yourself and others, in that first part, it says, count others, think of others, consider others more significant than yourselves. So fearless unity, the gospel, the reason why it fuels this is because the gospel takes away our fear. Without the gospel, you can't be fearless.